Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Well, we was going to do, uh, we're wrapping it up today because there's not 15 commandments, there's 10. So we're going to wrap it up today. I'm so glad you're here. I know we're in summertime and, and fall's coming here and we're excited about a lot of great things God is doing here at Freedom Church and in our community and what we're doing. So I'm just so glad you guys are here today. Thank you so much for your presence. So uh, we're going to jump into this last commandment to wrap this up. And I want to say to you, if you're brand new here and you hadn't been a part of this, I want to implore you to go back and check out the the, uh, the other nine commandments that we've done, you can do it on our social media or on our website, whatever you want to do in that. But I want to challenge you to do that because we've just had a great time. We've enjoyed the Ten Commandments so far. Good? Just give God praise for that, that we get to do His Word, apply it to our lives. So, with that being said, here's something I want to do. Uh, I want to give some love to those of you that watch online. Thank you for doing that. They watch all over the world, literally. Let's give God praise for that. That we leverage technology for His glory. So, we're very thankful to be able to do that. But here's something that's interesting. I want you to, th- I want you to download this. The first nine commandments that we have done thus far is about our behavior. This one that we do today is about your attitude, your attitude. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. Look at the person next to you and say, check you too, dude. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about our attitude because it's, it's so, so important. And maybe you came here today and it's your first time and you come in here and you're wondering about checking things out and you're thinking, you know, I, I don't feel like that great of a person. I don't do all the right things and I don't dot all the righteous I's and cross all the religious T's and you think somebody's better than you. They're not better than you. Somebody on that row has probably out you 10 to 1, probably. So, <laughs> so anyway, I hope and pray to God in heaven that you will let know that we're all in this thing called life together and God's a good God. So let's give God praise because he's a good God, right? Give him praise today, church. All right, I'm going to read the first four words of Exodus 20, verse 17, and I want you to audibly, if you can, please say them out loud with me. You must not covet. All right. All right, I'll just do it together simultaneously. Here we go. One, two, three. You must not covet. Now, what is happening is because of where we live in the great United States of America, we are in a covet crisis. I want you to know that. We are in a covet crisis crisis. Now, when you look at the original text from what this is written in the Hebrew in the Old Testament and you move to the Greek in the New Testament, though the original writing of this word, it's where we derive our English word lust. Now, to lust after something is, is what this means. It means you're lusting after something. It's the idea of panting after something. Now, let me ask the question. How many of you here have a dog? Raise your hand. Yes, a whole lot of you have dogs. Now, you know how it is when you go to give your dog some food, and then they're they're just panting, wanting the food. But once you give them their food, for most dogs, I would say, it's not a good idea to stick your hand down near the food. Can I get a witness? You understand what I'm saying? It's just like men. Men are the same way. Man, we get our food on our plate, and we don't want nobody touching it because 
We're panting till we get it. Then if you touch it, we're going to grab. Okay? Now, wives, let me talk to you for a minute, okay? We don't like, I'm just going to speak for all the men in the house. All the men in the house say, hoorah. Hoorah. There we go. I'm going to speak for the men in the house. We don't like your little forks that you like to reach over into our food and want to taste it. We don't like that. No, it's not a good idea to do that, okay? Now, we love you. You may have prepared the meal, slaved over it, and even sweated in the kitchen. But we don't like that, okay? It's just not healthy for you to do that. Now, the thing about it is, you know, we're not going to reach over into your plate because you may be eating a salad. Listen, salads are good, but for dudes, it's just warm-up food, okay? We're waiting for the real meat. We're waiting for the real selection that we're wanting to eat. So, but that's when you get the idea. That's right. You get the idea that it's something that we're lusting after. So let me ask you this. Think about it. How does coveting really work? It's simply this. Your eyes begin to look at something. Your mind begins to admire it. Then your will wants to go for it. Then your body wants to possess it. That's really coveting in the process there. So today, our purpose in our time together in this last of the Ten Commandments is to be able to help all of us discern legitimate desires from evil desires there is a desire fire that's burning out of control in the united states of america if you agree with me say yes it is burning out of control we are obsessed to be able to possess whatever the cost we never think of the cost we just want to do everything we can do to be able to get stuff and if you're not careful your greeds will supersede your needs that's what happens Now, some of you may be thinking, and you're wanting to push back on me today and say, you know, Pastor, what you're saying to me is this. What I'm hearing you say, and I'm about to check out, is that I need to be desire-free, or I don't need any goals and objectives in my life, or I don't need to have a vision. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Our desires unchecked is like a raging fire that's out of control in this nation especially. It's all about controlled desires. Say that with me, controlled desires. Look at the person next to you and tell them, control your desires. It's important. They got left unchecked, it's going to, to be in a situation where you're always obsessed to possess something. So let me ask you this. What stokes your fire of desires? Look internally. Your life. What stokes your fire of desires? Great question. Is it a faster car or a new car? Is it a bigger house and a more fashionable zip code? Maybe it's better bling. Maybe it's designer clothes. Maybe it's you just you just obsessed with getting the next iPhone. Or maybe it's you love antiques. Don't have any room to put any more of them. You have so many. Or maybe it's you're doing everything you can do to get that perfect physique. Let's look and peer into the rest of the verse here and what it says in 17. It says, here, I will read the first four words again. You must not covet 
your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. It's only suggestive. But because of two words, there's no loopholes here. There's two words in this that says anything else. Anything else. Say anything else. I think that covers it here. And so, do you covet anything is my question. Do you covet anything? Do you have a strong desire for something that really is not really what you need? See, the American dream has become the American scheme. That's what's happening. Think about it. Last Sunday afternoon, we were having a good time with my family, and man, I've got number nine and number 10 grandkids on the way. They haven't figured out what causes that yet, but I sure love my grandkids, okay? But two of them that are in opposite families of my three daughters, they're around three years old, Ellie and Zion, they're just kind of, they butt heads with one another. You know what I'm saying? They, and uh, man, all of a sudden, Zion went over and picked up Ellie's Barbie doll, and wow! The screen comes out, and they're having a fit. He's got my toy, or one of them's got the other toy, and they're screaming. That's just like I see a lot of this going on with adults in America. It's not always, though, what you possess, but it can be what you covet. Maybe a co-worker at the office got a promotion that you thought you were going to get. Or maybe your roommate found love, is getting engaged, and you're still single. Or maybe it's a situation where that one of your friends goes on a vacation that you can only dream about. Whatever it may be, maybe it's someone's looks, maybe it's someone's brains, maybe it's someone's age, maybe it's someone's talent, maybe it's someone's situation in life that you're coveting. So there is the plight of sight that we all deal with. Matter of fact, when you look at the word plight, it simply means a difficult or dangerous situation, especially a sad or desperate predicament. So with that being said, let's look at what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 8 in the Old Testament, he says, everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. See, you only find true and lasting meaning, listen to this, this is theologically deep, (laughs) in God. Does that not sound what He said they're very applicable to our standard times of what we're living in in the United States of America. See, it's a test of our faith, so we have to take a really hard look at our own lives. We have to take a look at where we're at in life. What is our purpose? What is the direction? What are we feeding our soul with? As the Mark Twain once said, he says, you can't depend on your eyes when your imagination is out of focus. So, with that being said, I look at Psalms 119 and verse 18. It says, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. So, this commandment is not what we do. This commandment is what we want to do. You follow me on that? Say yes. 
So today, what I want to do, I, I want to help all of us. There's, there's five particular things I, I want to point out to you. And my prayer is when we're done with our time together, that you move from obsession to contentment. Because if you do not do business with God today and move from obsession to contentment, you are going to end up being and living life as a miserable person, ultimately. Doesn't matter the socioeconomic status of your life, unless you move from obsession to contentment, you will be miserable. So the first thing I just want to share with you is that you've got to learn to admire without needing to acquire. It's very simple. And when I say that, what I'm talking about is what turns your head each day? What grabs your heart on a systematic basis? Think about that for a moment. Listen, you can get up, you can get caught up in chasing what God never meant for you to have in your life. Now, I can tell you right now, you know, my wife, she chased me down <laughs> 33 years ago, and it was meant for her to have me, okay? I'm not being, not being uh, prideful or nothing like that. She, she literally did chase me down. When she did, I'd been praying for someone, and literally, I am on, humbled and honored to have her. Those are things I prayed about, and I knew that God was doing in, in bringing us together. But what I'm talking about is things that you know that you're not supposed to have, but yet you're chasing it anyway. God never meant for you to. You know, I thank God, 33 years later, something happened back then is still going on now, and we're more in love today than we've ever been. But my point is, is that you got to be careful because your attitude can mess you up. The wrong attitude can make you stingy. The wrong attitude can basically be coveting, and when you covet, it becomes idolatry. It's like Satan, our arch enemy, Lucifer, long ago, he was the worship leader in heaven. He got discontent. He became obsessed. He was the worship leader, and he wanted God's position so bad that he tried to elbow God out of the way, and God kicked him out along with the angels that partook in that obsession. Matter of fact, Isaiah says this in chapter 14 and verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. So you think about the enemy here. He wants to do everything he can do because he doesn't have the glory anymore. So what does he want to do? He wants you to make you think that you're getting something that you need in your life, which is not a need. It becomes a greed. Therefore, to mess you up and make you miserable because he's miserable for eternity. He wants you to be miserable for eternity, doing all he can do to drag you to a place called hell that was never meant for any mankind, only the devil and his angels. Are you tracking with me? You look at the advertising industry. Dreaming and scheming, that's the one thing. And what the, the media is doing everything it can do. The media monster is doing everything it can do. The one option to be able to get you by that which you really do not need most of the time. But when they're doing what they're doing, it's not about, they're going to they're pose it and they're going to set it up and it's, it's, you need this. But really, you've got to look past the hype and ask yourself a question. Is it really about a need or is it really about greeds? I know e-marketing E-marketers did some studies and they published some figures. This is daunting. The total media ad spending in 2022, grab this, is over $250 billion. I said billion with a B. Just a few years ago in 2016, it was only like $200 billion. Think about that for a minute. We love it, so what do we do? We covet. 
There's a bottom line to it. So we've got to learn to be able to admire and not always think that we have to acquire that. But also, to take a step in the right direction, we have got to confess when we're obsessed. You've got to confess that. You've got to agree, man, I am, I, am, I am coveting this. I don't need this. And you may be caught up right now in the cult of the next thing. That might be where you're at in your life. You might be trying to tell yourself and the enemy's helping you to try to say, I deserve it. I'm worth it. It's new. It's faster. It's cleaner. It's brighter. That's what you think it is, so therefore you think you need it. You know, we're so blessed in this life. So blessed. And I saw some stats, which are always subjective, but it said that basically 93% of this world's population live off less than $2 a day. And we think we have it bad. Very blessed. I tried to teach my three daughters that we're blessed and we need to be content. And as I did that, I know there was times that they caught the wine flu. How many of your kids ever caught the wine flu? <laughs> they just whine. Wine, 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 cry, and all that stuff. They get the wine flu every now and then. And they would have their pity parties because things that they wanted and they didn't get. And, but yet a lot of people today get the wine flu, don't we? We get the pity party going and say, God, I can't believe they got this. God, I can't believe they got that. And every time that you put your eyes on what everybody else has got, you just took your eyes off God who has a whole lot more you than you could ever imagine. It's incredible. So there's only one thing that you and I deserve. The place of hell. The only thing we deserve. But yet Jesus and his love for me and for you came and died for all of humanity to wipe out our sin debt. He became sin for us, put on a tree that his father grew out of the ground. Yet on the third day, victory over the cross and the victory that he had there is the victory that we can have. To have our sins forgiven and be born again and have an eternal place with God when we check out of this world knowing where we're going to check in. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7, listen to what Paul told him. He said, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. We're basically born with nothing. We came in naked. We're basically going out. That's the way it is. You know, I've done a lot of funerals in my life, and I've never yet seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, you've heard that mantra before. It reminds me, it was told as a true story that that a, a woman and a man, they were, very, they were done very well with the resources, and, and they were very rich, and, and the man died, and his request to his sons was is to be sure that a million dollars in cash was put in the casket with him so that when he goes into eternity, if he needs money, he's got it. Before they were about to close the casket, the mom goes up there, and all this money's in the casket, and she's taking a bag, and she's taking and throwing the money into the bag, and they come running up there, and they gather, Mom, what are you doing? That was just dad's last request. It's not like you need it. Well, if he needs anything, he can cash that check I laid on his chest right there. <laughs> Boy, we think so carnal, don't we? We think like this is all there is a lot of times. We put our stock in a lot of things that God never asked us to put stock in. Something else to go from being obsessed to contentment is that you need to take a look without getting hooked. It's hard to do, isn't it? You know, I was fishing yesterday, and 
you know, the greatest thing you want to do is throw the bait out there and see what you can do, you know, and stuff, and see what you can catch. And this guy told us about this other bait we got, this spoon. He said, get this spoon, try this spoon and stuff, you know, and, and see what you can do to catch some fish. And, you know, and I thought, man, I'm going to catch a big one, <laughs> you know, and stuff. And, uh, and I didn't think about the, 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 this new, it's bright, it's flashy and all that kind of stuff. And, and it sure, they just didn't take a look. This fish got hooked. The problem is with it, it's as big as him. See the hook sticking out of his mouth? You know, he thought, man, I'm going to look at this. This looks great. This looks fine. This looks good. It's new. It's shiny. It's bright, man. I'm going to get this here deal. And next thing you know, he was hooked. Now, he's still alive. For those of you that might not like the fact that the hook's hanging out of his mouth, he's good. He's good. Okay. Boy, isn't that like us? How many of us are like this, though? We not only took a look and got hooked. We got took. How many of you have ever had buyer's remorse? I'll raise my hand. It happens, doesn't it? First Timothy 6 and 9, Paul told Timothy here, he says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. You see, what, what happens is the enemy, once again, going back to Lucifer, Satan, he puts a feast of temptation before our eyes, but in the end, you lose by getting took. Satan's not last, laughing with you, Satan's laughing at you. It reminds me of a story in the Bible. In second, in the first Kings chapter 21, you got this story about King Ahab and Jezebel, Queen Jezebel. You know, I've noticed nobody ever names their daughter Jezebel. I think there's a reason behind that, you know? But anyway, and I want to challenge you this week. If you want to read something that's better than As the World Turns and Bold and the Beautiful, those of you then I used to know people that watch those shows, but it's just really those, those soap operas and things that's really just dramatic. Read the story I'm telling you this week in 1 Kings 21 and 22, but I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. King Ahab, there was a vineyard adjacent to the palace, and he wanted the vineyard really bad. So he goes to a man named Naboth and says, Naboth, I want to buy your vineyard. Naboth pushes back and says, basically, your money's not going to do you any good because this was passed down to my family through inheritance, not for sale. So what does he do? He goes, he gets angry, he gets upset, he goes back to the palace, he sticks out his bottom lip, and he goes to bed, he wouldn't eat, and he pouts. And what does Jezebel do? Jezzy comes in, what's wrong, Ahab? So he says, I wanted to buy this vineyard, and he wouldn't sell it to me. She said, don't you worry about that, you get up and eat. I'll get that vineyard for you. So she writes these letters to the elders of the community, they want to give Naboth a spot of honor and they want to honor him, and she also said, get two scoundrels to come and basically say witness against him that he has cursed, in this prayer and fast are doing, he has cursed God and he has cursed the king. So how many of you know any scoundrels in your life? It's okay to raise your hand. If you don't know scoundrels, you're not doing the great commission and the great commandment, okay? We need to go after scoundrels. I was once a scoundrel, and so were you. I'm a redeemed scoundrel now. You see what I'm saying? But anyway, it says, the Bible says two scoundrels, and they did false witness against him, and then they took him outside and, and killed him. Well, then Elijah shows up, and Elijah and King Ahab butted heads. Elijah could have called him his enemy and all this stuff, but Elijah told him exactly what God did through him and said, you know what? The, 
The dogs are licking the blood up of Naboth right now, King Ahab. And I will tell you that God is saying that the dogs are going to lick your blood up when it's said and done because of you doing this evil thing against a man. So as the story goes, King Ahab goes to war in chapter 22. And I'm just giving you a fast version. He goes to war, and he tells Josaphat, which is in the, you know, that's going to be the next king, but he tells him, you wear your royal armor, your royal garb, and I'm going to disguise myself. This is what King Ahab wanted to do. So they go to fight against these Arameans, and, and next thing you know, they're chasing down Josaphat, but they figured out real quick it wasn't King Ahab, and they quit chasing him. So an Aramean, all of a sudden, he shoots what is called in the scripture a random arrow. And the arrow just happens to hit between the armor of King Ahab. And he says, I'm hit. Get me out of here. I'm bleeding. Next thing you know, he's down in the bottom of his chariot. Later that night he died and they were washing out the chariot. And the dogs came and licked the blood. Let me tell you something. You better be really careful about what you're scheming and doing because those schemes can really come back to bite you. He, he basically, what your heart's desire is, where will those desires lead you in the end? That's the question. Because in this situation I just shared with you, unholy desires can quickly fall into deadly desires. So the next thing is, as far as going from obsession to contentment, is that you've got to change the measure of your treasure. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He's not, he's not talking about that you, he's talking about you've got to watch what you're holding on to here. You understand what I'm saying? It's okay to be a good steward. You know, there's going to be rainy days. He's not talking about what he's saying is if, if what you're storing up, it, this is your treasure here. No, you store up treasures. Listen to what he says. He goes on to tell how to do it. He says, store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. What does it take for you and I to pass the treasure test? The stuff that really matters. The stuff that really matters first and foremost is my relationship with Jesus Christ. An ongoing relationship with him. It is my daily worship to God in the private, in the heart and chambers of my life. So that I have the power I need publicly because I don't know what I'm going to face in a given day. Neither do you. It is time that I'm going to spend with those that are precious to me in my life. My wife and my kids and my grandkids and whoever that is that's precious in your life. It is you and I sharing the greatest gift to humanity that's ever been, ever, which is Jesus Christ who gave his life for humanity. Those are things that really really matter and I could go on and on Jesus said in Luke 12 and 15 he said beware guard against every kind of greed life is not measured by how much you own Jesus is saying that the good life has nothing to do with you being wealthy that's just the opposite of what society thinks are you with me you understand what I'm saying don't get duped for all of eternity thinking that your present stuff that you got is where your treasure really is I know people right now in our church family and elsewhere that are praying, and I'm praying with them, and that's got cancer, that's got tumors. A friend just left yesterday that I know, I've known for a long time, and 
lives in another state, and his wife's grieving. There's a lot of things that's going on. Don't buy Satan's lies about what's important in life. You've got to, to measure your treasure. The last thing is this, to go from being obsessed to content. And that is turn resentment into contentment. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Contentment is the core of this commandment. Contentment is a process. You have to learn to be content with your contents. It's, it's a learning process that you have. Why does God want me to be content, Pastor? Well, I mean, well, can't I run after the American dream? Listen, God wants you and me to grow up and be mature and be like his son, Jesus. And we need to continually ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do in any given situation because God is so much more interested in your character than he ever will be your comfort. I hope you understand what I'm saying to you today. Character is something that is so important. And contentment means that my happiness does not depend upon my circumstances that's going on in the moment. See, the most important things in life aren't things. It's not. So you got to be content where you are, no matter where you are or how much that you have in your life. That was the problem with God's people, the Hebrews, the Israelites. I call them Israelites because they were always miserable, whining, grumbling, complaining all the time. They had their eyes on other people's stuff. Let me tell you this, the spirit of coveting will rob you of what God has planned and dreamed for your life. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. God put this commandment in print to save us so much heartache. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Listen to this verse very closely. Read it in your heart and mind as, as we go along with this. It says, keep your lives Free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God, our creator, I'm there with you. I've got your back. No matter what you face. And Paul told Timothy this as well there in chapter 6. He said, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. This is the real deal. This is the statement for the state of your life. It is the key to spiritual growth and personal fulfillment, honoring God and centering our desires on Him. ask you a question when your friends or your peers get something in life are you happy for them or are you envious of them are you living in a in this mode in your life that I want to say it's called the letdown mode so many people live in letdown mode that's why when I see people, and you see people as well, 
it's hard for them to be happy because their happiness all depends on whatever present set of circumstances it's happening in their life. So they just live life because circumstances are always going to happen. You're either coming out of a problem, you're in a problem, or a problem's going to hit you between the eyes. That's life, that's sinner, that's saint, that's everywhere in between. But people live their lives in let-down mode. So are you living life in let-down mode? And, and do you feel like you don't have as much as your neighbor? You don't have as much as your boss. You don't have as much as your brother or your sister or someone like that. Are you in competition or are you in contentment in your life? Do you ever say, good for you, I'm so glad for you, or, or you're glad really down deep inside that, that they would fumble or that they would fall? Are you missing out on what God wants to literally unfold in your life because your, your eyes and your life is contained with looking at everybody else? And when you look at everybody else, you can't see what God has for you. And you miss that. You miss the very reason that God created you to begin with. Being content with content really reflects the heart, the nature, and the grace of Jesus Christ. So what are God's promise of provision. What is that? What does that look like? It's very simple in one simple verse. Matthew 6 and 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Whatever you're seeking, you seek the kingdom of God above everything else in your life. Here's the second part to it. And, it doesn't say or, it says, and live righteously. Now, what does he mean when Jesus says for you and I to live righteously? Righteously simply means right living with God, right living for God. That's what it is. So I'm going to seek his kingdom above everything else in my life, and I am going to live as right and as close to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as I can. So when I do that, what's he going to do for me? Check it out. It's right here. He will give you everything You know what I love about him? Just like a lot of times with my girls, when I was raising them, when they were in my home, I tried to be the best father I could for my kids because I love them. I gave them everything they needed. But you know what the ice on the cake was for a daddy that loved his kids and worked hard? I wanted to give them some wants too. Things I knew that they wouldn't take advantage of. Things I knew that would bless them. Things I knew that would put a smile on their face. That's what I want all of us to do for our Heavenly Father. I want us to seek the kingdom of God above all else. I want us to live right with Him. There's too much wrong living going on right now. It's everywhere. We do that. I believe he's going to give us everything we need and then some. Because that's the heart of our Heavenly Father. So I asked you, what's really important to you? Stuff in the end doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life. I'll just, I'll just tell you that. 
Don't let these other's desires ever compete with having first place, having God first place in your life. Don't let this stuff do that. Are you proud of what you possess or who possesses you? What you're possessing or who possesses you? At the end of this side of life, all that matters is really two things. That you knew Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart and you have reservations in heaven. And then who did you tell about him so they could get what he gave you? And there's so much more that we can put with that in in our roles and responsibilities as Christians. Those are really the two most important things in life. Would you stand with me as we pray? Precious Holy Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, your Son, today. Thanking you for this amazing day. You're such a good God, and you bless us so much, and we cannot ever repay you or pray to you and praise you enough for all that you do for us. Especially because you gave your only Son for our very lives, for our sins. Today, maybe you're here and you look in your life and as we pray, I want to, I want to, I just want you to be gut level honest. I don't want you to put on some kind of religious pretense. Don't let pride captivate your mind right now, but I just want to ask you, heads bowed, eyes closed, you look at your life. How many of you here would lift your hand and say, I need to be released of that spirit of covetousness in my life? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Don't let Satan puff you up a pride. Anyone else? I need to be released of that spirit of covetousness. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. I see those hands. I want to pray with you and pray for you. I've been there too. I'll be the first to tell you. You don't have to be. I want to pray with you and for you. Would you pray and ask God to release you? Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for the honesty of people today, God. Lord, we don't want to be like Satan and try to elbow our way through to get what we want. We want to have our eyes on you. We want to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live right with you and for you. You said you'd give us everything we need, and that is it in a nutshell. So thank you, Heavenly Father. God, I pray, God, for each one here that's struggling with what they see that need, that, that acquire fire that comes at them, God. I pray, God, that you would release them as I asked you to right now, God. That they're going to confess of being obsessed with things, stuff. That at the end of life, it really does not matter. It's what we store up with you that matters. So I pray in Jesus' name that you would release those who lifted your hand, even those who may not have. And to be content with their content. praise and give you honor maybe you're here today and for whatever reason you've never gave your life to Jesus that's why you're here friend you're not here as we continue to pray and look into our lives you're not here to take up space God strategically knew that you would be here in this house his house on this day or watching online July 24, 2022, the year of our Lord. That's why he knew that. So as you're praying right now and you know that you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, he's knocked on your heart. I want to challenge you. Maybe you need to come back home to him. Maybe for whatever reason you walked away from him. 
you're coming back home. I want to be right with him. Thank you for being here today. So right now, if you know the Lord's knocking on your heart, you know he wants to come in. Would you just pray to him right where you're at? Just, it's your prayer. Just tell him, say, Lord, I'm going to open my heart up to you today. I want to know you. I want to live for you. I believe in you that you came, lived, you died, and you rose for me. I want to be born again. That means I want to die out sins of the flesh so please forgive me of my sins I ask you to save my soul I give my life to you prayed that and you meant that from the depths of your soul as we're continuing to pray I just want to ask you to give God glory just lift your hand real high and say, I prayed that prayer and I received him for the first time in my heart and life. Just lift your hand real high and say, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the very first time. Lift your hands real high, real high, real quick, real quick. Heavenly Father, we praise you today. We thank you today. We honor you today for being the God that loves us so much beyond what we could ever imagine. Find us faithful, God, living for you, seeking your kingdom above all else, living close to you. Thank you for providing everything we need. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. Let's give him praise today, church, all right? So what I want to do here, please do not take off unless you have an emergency real quick. I have two very important things I need to share with you. But right now we're going to go into a time of giving. And I want to say thank you in advance for your faithful giving to the kingdom of God. Freedom Church exists to reach people to know God. And through our collective efforts of bringing back that which he's blessed us with, with tithes and offerings, we get to put that together to reach people locally, globally, and everywhere in between. So I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I want to be able to be a blessing because God is blessing me. He wants me to be a blessing. So this is the time we get to do it when it comes to our resources. So I'm going to pray over that. There's multiple ways you can give. They put it on the screen. Uh, you can do that through the app. You can do it through our website. You can do it on the kiosk out there. You can do it tangibly as you leave with the usher standing at the door. But I want to say thank you for giving back and helping us to be able to run after. I want people to find what I have found. That's why I want to give back to God and be obedient to Him. So I'm going to pray over that. And uh, also, if you're brand new here today, I want to ask you to do me a huge favor. We call you VIPs because you're very important to the kingdom of God. And most of all, God loves you and we do too. Uh, I want to ask you to take a card out of the back of the seat there, or if you're online, you can, you can click the button there and fill it out. But here in the auditorium, take that card, fill it out, as much as information you feel comfortable. Take it out the info desk. They're going to give you a gift to commemorate this day that you came. And also, if you're brand new here, give us a three-peat. What I mean by that is give us at least three weeks, three Sundays to, to see if this is a church family for you. If not, we'll help you find a church because you need a church family. Uh, I'm going to pray with the offering, then I'll tell you two things, and then we'll cut you loose. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be here today on this beautiful day. Thank you for everyone here. May you bless each family richly and immensely. God, we want to give back to you, God, because you bless us with a heartbeat. You bless us with breath. You bless us with everything that we have, and it's all yours. We're just going to bring back tithes and offerings to be able to be obedient to you and build the kingdom of Almighty God and make a difference in the world. So thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity, and bless it and multiply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right.